What is up, people? And thank you so much for listening in to this episode of the New Generation Sports Talk Podcast. I'm your host, EJ Stewart. And if I sound a little bit uh, down, if I sound a little bit uh, emotionally stressed and hungover, then uh, you're probably not wrong in that assessment. I'm still recovering from the NBA draft lottery from Tuesday night, which was, uh, I'll be honest, Kendall, as a Knicks fan, it's probably the most stressful night I've had rooting for the team since they were in the playoffs, whatever that year was, 2013, 2014, whatever. 85. Uh, <laughs> no, nah, all, right, all right, you guys have a already. No, whenever Melo and that team was in the playoffs and they were playing those games, that was probably the last time I felt like that. I think this might have actually even surpassed it. Um, by the time that they were actually announcing the teams, like it was like just like pure stress. Um, we all know how that ended up for Knicks fans. Uh, New York falling short, not getting the number one pick. But it was a—I got to tell you what, Kendall—that was a fascinating lottery. We had the Pelicans ending up with the number one pick, really uh, sh- sending shockwaves through the league. This is the team that. Of course, uh, everyone's keeping an eye on because we know that Anthony Davis, their star center, wants out. And there are plenty of uh, reports that a lot of these teams that may have gotten that number one pick may have looked to use it to possibly get Anthony Davis. So, of course, because of how the cookie always crumbles, the Pelicans actually end up getting the number one pick, taking that potential trade chip off the board for every other team in the NBA and creating a lot of drama uh, uh, in New Orleans in terms of where they move forward. So we'll talk plenty of NBA draft lottery, not just the Pelicans, not just the Knicks, but just how everything shook out as well. And we're finally down to the Final Four in the NBA playoffs. We have our conference finals. Game one of both series have wrapped. So we uh, right now the home teams have held, uh, held serve. So we'll talk a little bit about how we see those series shaking out. And uh, it's a little bit of an abbreviated show today, so not too much else after that. But I do want to touch on these Jets because, Kendall, just when I thought we were out of the doldrums of clownery, we're right back there. Speaking of Kendall, he is here in studio co-hosting the show with me, as always. Um, Kendall, your Celtics were kind of like... Your your fate was sealed pretty quickly last night, so uh, there really, really, yeah, really wasn't I, much no, drama for you. Well, yeah, I mean, I I kind of had a range of emotions as a Celtics fan because, you know, we came in with the with the, I mean, we we came in guaranteed we were getting twenty two twenty, uh, and in terms of the lottery, we had the the Kings pick which was fourteen. If we went to number one, it would go to Philly. Anywhere else, it would go to Boston. So I mean, fourteen. You're thinking, you know, anytime there's fourteen pick, even though the odds have gone up, it's only one percent. So you're like. Which, ironically enough, uh, Mike Zarin, the assistant GM of the Celtics, who was in the back, said that uh, the Celtics were one ping pong ball away from that pick going to four. Like when they did the fourth mm-hmm. team, like they the first three numbers were good for the Celtics, and the last one, you know, whatever team got it. The yeah, Lakers, 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 yeah. yeah. So another team that was really had low had low percentage. Yeah, exactly. It was that, that, up that, 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 so that must have been a really crazy combination. That chunk of teams, yeah. That 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 chunk of teams in the back. Um, so. Shows you the, I mean, the crapshoot that a lottery is. Uh, <laughs> I mean, imagine if the Celtics would have got it. But not only that, but well, I mean, it's already crazy that the Lakers got it. Yeah, I mean, it's not in theory, it's not that crazy after you see the way the lottery fell out. You know, oh my God, really this, any team could get it. I mean, Kendall, I thought this was, you know, the run is great for television. 
No. It was it was riveting television. Let, let's let's let's. Let, I actually do think. I mean, I don't want to talk on it too much. But I want to get the Zion, but I do want to touch on that because man, that was riveting television. And when you when I'm watching this lottery and I'm seeing so many of these teams jumping up so early, usually you, you once you get to like six, then you start to see teams. That's jump. when that's when you start to be in that zone of like, all right, these, these anybody teams can get can it. probably one. The only team can win it. Yeah, but. That was the first time we, we had teams at 11 and 9. 11 would have been, the I think, the lowest team in NBA history to get it. Or it might have been tied. And, and I mean, it, it, it became just pure, unbelievable when the drama. Lakers got it, because the Celtics also owned the Grizzlies pick. Right. It was top eight protected, and the Grizzlies were at eight. So every scenario that I went through before the draft, if one team behind the Grizzlies jumped up, and the Celtics got to pick it not. <laughs> so when the Lakers got it, I was I was pissed because I was like, yo, Lakers, I was like, this thing's rigged. Like, Lakers in the top four. But then I was like, well, I mean, that, you know, 30 seconds that we had, I was like, yo, like, the Celtics are getting the ninth yeah, pick. Like, the I'm, I'm yeah, like, yo, like, all right, so we're getting two lottery picks this year. This is nice. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, it was nine. It was like the Washington Withers. I was like, Yo, the yeah, I, yeah. I remember when like, Washington came up at nine. I was like, "Yo, what is going on?" <laughs> yeah, exactly. I didn't know. I was like, "What is I going like, on?" That team stunk. No <laughs> way they were down all the way at nine. Yeah. So, um, and then right after that, because the Pelicans and Grizzlies were simultaneous, were, yeah. were you know sequentially right next to each other, and right after that, it comes up whoever Atlanta, I think it was. Yeah, Atlanta falls from five eight to, to eight. eight. Yeah, I'm like, I really didn't know what was or going three on. Three to eight, I think. Whatever it was. And that's what, yeah, like you said, that's when it got crazy. Because then at that point, you're like, man, if Atlanta is eight, there's only one more spot left. And the Knicks, then yeah. I mean the Knicks, Suns, and Cavs are fighting for the last, last spot. Last spot, which was. So the Knicks at that point, I mean, I didn't think they were getting it. I was like, man, Knicks going to be that 15, man. I'll just watch. <laughs> on five, you mean? Yeah, they're going to be that 15, yeah. Yeah, like 15, yeah. Yeah, yeah they're going to be that 15. And when when it came up, you know. Yeah, Cleveland. I mean, it was crazy. Was I, I do. I will ask you about what we think of it in terms of the league, how this, what this means for the league, a little bit later. But uh, people on the show want to hear us get to Zion. So let's talk and the Pelicans. So let's get to that. So the Pelicans defy the odds to a certain degree. Again, I do want to talk about what the odds kind of what this kind of means for the draft moving forward. But they definitely defy the odds in winning the lottery chance. last night. Went a three percent chance, and 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 they 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 end up. Taking home the, I mean, that's crazy thing, the number one pick. Not winning it and they won it. It's like a Steph Curry missed free throw. Like yeah. It's rare you see it, but when it happens, you got to just pray, praise God. Yep. Praise, praise the basketball guys because that's what I'm sure David Griffin is doing. Um, oh, no, they had a 6% chance. Of thinking about yeah, 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 yeah. I thought it was, thought it was six. Um, still, it's about Steph Curry missed free throw. Yeah, that's more accurately. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, I mean, talk about just, like, just luck. I mean, I mean there's the only word to use. I mean, this is a franchise that um is in pretty bad shape. Getting I mean, really yes, snake bitten. Yeah, I mean, yes, you know, they have a piece that you would think could, you know, garner, you know, other pieces, but I mean, he does want to leave. He's a mega yeah, star. who has one year left on his deal. So one year left well. on his deal. His time is coming to an end. They have no future really on that roster you look at and nope. say Oh, this is something to be excited about. You don't like Frank Jackson? Played decent at the end of the no year. No disrespect to Frank Jackson. Um, yeah, good young player, points. decent young player, but I'm, he's not someone that uh, is going gonna, is gonna to revive that. You don't like, that you don't like uh, Stanley Johnson? 
Uh, again, no disrespect to Julius Randle. Julius Randle's going to be a free agent. You know, you might have to pay him the max, but, you know, Julius Randle. Yeah, Ju- yeah Julius Randle, I mean, he's got to opt out now. Yeah, he's gone. Well, he's going to opt out regardless. He's going to get that money. Somebody's going to give him that money. He's unrestricted at this point. He played well. He played excellent. Yeah. So, w- maybe the Knicks. Where do you think where where do you think this leaves New Orleans now? Uh, cl- I mean, clearly they're gonna draft Zion Williamson. Yes. So unless you believe the conspiracy theorists that say you know he's gonna pull a Eli Manning, he's gonna pull a John Elway, he's gonna pull a you know a, a Kobe. Let's get out. Of, let's get away from whether or not that will actually happen. <laughs> Do you think that would? Do you think that would be? What? Oh yeah. Do you think yeah, that's not be, gonna happen? But do you think that would be smart for Zion? Yeah. No, it'd be. It'd be. I wouldn't say it's the dumbest thing, but it just doesn't make sense. Why? Um, the risk of him doing that is not worth what he's losing by going to New Orleans versus any other city. And when we say doing that, we're for people at home. We're talking about. The idea that Zion could find a way to either just not enter the draft because he can actually he, go he can actually go back to college. Yeah. The rules are different now. Yeah. He is actually not even signing an agent. Even the old rules, he could go back. Yeah. But even these rule new rules, you can sign an agent, go through the whole process up till ten days before the draft, and then just pull out. And the word immediately after the draft was that he wanted to go to the Knicks. Yes. And that he was disappointed that the Knicks didn't come up with number one pick. They didn't say much about New Orleans. He did that interview with I don't know who it was, was Jay or Murray Taylor, talking about the Pelicans. And I mean, he seemed fine. He didn't seem like he was angry. He just, he just it was, was like, not. We it, know was, it was not Steve Francis <laughs> being drafted by the Grizzlies in his face. Like, he wasn't crying. I, yeah, but but I mean, he just seemed like he was like matter and of fact was, about there's it. There's a video that's come out today that shows Zion's reaction. He was laughing with Barrett and Reddish when they got it. Yeah, because I mean, we have to remember you guys are kids. Like they're basketball fans, right. like us. Like that was riveting television. Yeah, it yeah. Was riveting television. It was riveting to watch for them too. I tell you what, Zion, not, Zion's not thinking. Yo, I just lost five hundred million dollars in endorsements. <laughs> like, he's not thinking. Like, like the crazy thing about Zion and what why I've already taken a liking to him is he clearly is not gotten used to like the attention he gets now. Like they're not. I'm not not to be fair. ESPN was laying it on very thick oh, when it came to like the praise for him. But shout out to ESPN. But I, I've seen that even outside of last night, where like the attention he gets, the questions he gets, like he he really is he's 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 mature, but he he is still a kid. Right. And like seeing him answer those he's questions, like him you know, seeing kind of seeing that whole thing go down. Like it was, it was fun watching someone who it felt like a normal person. It's not like a business. Like when Ben Simmons was in this position, it was like it felt very. But so many, Kendall, so many of these young athletes, because they're you know they're phenom guys who have been trained to talk to the media since they were 15 years old. Like so many of them, they 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 almost come out talking like pros. Like I remember like RJ Barrett, like LeBron when he was a high schooler. I mean, he didn't have the same vernacular and the same you know vocabulary that he does now. Like but he was he was like he knew what he was talking yeah. about. He clearly was very media trained, even right. at eighteen. If you years listen old. to R.J. Zion's Barrett, not like that. Yeah, if you listen to R.J. Barrett, like he's very very calculated. Absolutely. Yeah, but yeah, Z- I noticed that when he was at Duke. Like, now Zion doesn't interview. say anything stupid, but like no, no, yeah. And but I don't it just mean feels it, it just feels more raw. What he's what exactly his reactions, his emotions. I don't like yeah. So when we say so to go back to the original point. So when we so I you know. When we, we, His reaction to the Pelicans winning it seemed raw. It seemed and it didn't seem like 
he was against it. He wasn't even against it. He didn't seem he was thrilled, but he just was like, wow, this is pretty crazy. Yeah. And but now again, people are asking even have the an question. Agent. Most guys in these, in these scenarios have an agent, have a camp right. that's telling them how to react. How to react. Or every any, scenario. Yeah, what tell them what, yeah, like, all right, so if the New Orleans gets it, like, you might go back to college or we might right. send you to, to uh, Siberia to play a year. You know, <laughs> like, he doesn't, he doesn't, he has, probably hasn't even thought of all the scenarios. Yeah. So, so one of the scenarios that Kendall we and I were just discussing before we got into this convo was about him deciding, you know what, New Orleans is not the place for me. I ain't going there. I'm either gonna go back to school and withdraw. I'm gonna either uh, go to Europe and play, uh, sit out, or I could sit out, or I could maybe force a trade. Yeah, you. I mean, to the Knicks, you or to the Lakers. Of course, one of these this, the, the number one option is to force. You want to go to Los Angeles, New York. Chicago. But you're saying that that's a bad idea. Well, yeah, it's a bad idea because you have no leverage. Because you have no leverage because the idea of you going and not entering the draft is foolish. Because and the reason you not entering the draft is foolish because if you play, you go back to Duke, you risk injury. You don't get paid. You don't really help your brand that much. Uh, if anything, we've never seen a guy this high in the one and done era. We've never seen anybody in the top ten in the run in the one and done era come back to school and it helped them. Never yeah. happened. Um, Miles Bridges dropped. Smart dropped. Like we've seen. Joking Noah. He wasn't one and done, but he went back and he, he would have been number one pick and he ended up falling to eight or whatever he was. Eight nine. Yeah. So. Um, it's it's never really helped anybody. Um, look at Robert Williams, also another guy could have been a lottery pick, dropped yeah. twenty seven. But um, so that would be dumb. But if he sits out a year, yeah, he doesn't risk the injury, and maybe he, he can collect a check from a shoe company. But uh, you now you put yourself in a situation where what if the Pelicans win it again next year? What if right the Jazz stink and they get it? Like it's gonna there, there's gonna be a, another small market. The lottery is designed for these small market teams to acquire talent. Right in yeah. a lot of in a lot of respects, the small market teams tend not, tend to be the bad ones. In a lot of in a <laughs> lot of ways, this was his best shot at like getting yeah. to a place. Yeah, the Lakers and Knicks. These are the two biggest markets, two biggest franchises that happen to be bad. Lakers and Knicks were in the lottery. The, Lakers, the Celtics were in the lottery. Philly Philly was in the lottery. Like. This, Miami was in the lottery. These teams aren't gonna be. You know, the Knicks had a great chance. Like, I mean, this like the odds that you're gonna have another opportunity next year if you just hold out. It, it like and it's just not. And as we saw, Kendall, like even if if one of these, I mean, it's not gonna happen. But say if one of these teams got in a scenario where it's, all of a sudden they're like, oh, we gotta just tank. Like tanking, I think in this new lottery ever is just it. It could work, but like. It, it's it, it's it's really luck. If it works on your side, that's real. Like teams, whereas before, where like it was calculated, it was calculated risk. I don't think it's calculated. Teams anymore. are still gonna do it because teams are still gonna weigh. Like I mean, I'd rather improve my odds. I don't really care about winning. Winning doesn't help me. I'd rather improve my odds in the lottery. So teams are still gonna can, do it. Yeah, and they're gonna do it. You but much it's just, rather be the 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 you know Suns right now than the Hornets. In, in reality, right. So I, teams are still going to do it, yeah. even if you're at six. It's better than being at ten or thirteen, right? And it is no, it's not clear that there's any high, you know, uh, big market team that's going to be that bad. We would think right now. Chicago's the the, no, the only team that that's probably the only team you could look at and say they they should 
and I, I, I think Miami's a, a a shaky team that might just blow it up. But they haven't shown any any sign of ever wanting to tank. So no, that that, that's that not be a good risk to take. If you're yeah, I've never seen I've never seen <laughs> Riley uh, and Spolstra. The only time they did it was when they got Beasley. And I don't right. think they were tanking. Wayne got hurt. They weren't tanking that year. Wayne got hurt, exactly. So even that was like kind of different. Um, and even beyond like this whole you know fantasy idea of Zion would you know sit out a whole year, I think from a basketball perspective, I don't think New Orleans is a bad situation for Zion. Why? We talk about look. Yes, it's a small market. There were rumors during the season at Duke that he preferred playing in a small market. I, I don't know if that's true or not, but. What I do know is Zion from South Carolina, small small town in Spartanburg, uh, SEC country. New Orleans, obviously a very small market, but very big city in the South. Mm-hmm. Um, he, from a basketball perspective, this, this franchise, not terrible. People act like, oh, it's the Pelicans. Oh, my gosh. They, they, they ran Anthony Davidson to the ground, and they couldn't do anything with him, and now he wants to trade. Uh, I mean, if you talk to our, you know, our brother Henry, he's a huge Pelicans fan. Why didn't we get Henry on the show this week? We, may, we probably should have, but you know, he's we, right upstairs. We could probably call yeah, him. He's at school. We're too late. It, it's too late, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, but um, if you talk to our brother Henry, you know, I was with him obviously yesterday uh, during the lottery, and he was obviously very excited. But um, he'll tell you. He'll remind. He'll be the first person to remind you anytime someone rags on the Pelicans and they're misfortunes he'll be like we were a three seed before boogie blew out his achilles and mm-hmm. so people say oh you know they he had boogie cousins they didn't win anything he'll be the first one to tell you i mean they they were they were playing they, really they, well yeah, they, they were, were winning a lot basketball yeah if you go back to last season they were one of the final four teams in the western conference yeah uh the same blazers team that is in the conference finals they got swept. wrecked by mm-hmm. this pelicans team now this could just be anti davis is a great player but my point is, if you're Zion and you're a great player, you got the same team, the same infrastructure, the same coach. Now, Anthony Davis asks for a trade. Maybe, I mean, hopefully you can play with Anthony Davis, but if you can't, now you're trading for other assets. Maybe. And they're a team that, that desperately is lacking depth. Depth. Young, yeah, young talent. Their talent profile is terrible. It's not the fact that they don't have talent. They have a decent starting five. It's the starting five gets hurt and they're – they have no good role players. You're right. Zero. You're right, you're right. So now you're in a position where you trade Anthony Davis. Uh, the teams that are in the Anthony Davis sweepstakes are, have assets. People have talked about, people are comparing this to, you know, when Kobe asked for a trade and that, you know, the Pelicans are strong arm like the Lakers did Kobe. The difference, besides the contract difference, obviously, which is a huge thing, the other difference is that. When Kobe wanted to go to the Lakers or go to the Knicks, those teams had no assets. Okay. What were they going to give the Lakers? The Lakers had no reason to trade them to those two teams. Mm-hmm. If Davis came to the to the Pelicans and was like, I want to go to the Heat, what are the Heat going to give <laughs> the Pelicans that right. they would want? Nothing. I, I, if I, I, David Griffin would laugh and be like, well, nothing you can do about it. If he went to them and said, I want to go to Cleveland, what's Cleveland going to give them? The, the thing that... That make that makes the Knicks, the Lakers, the Celtics attractive is that they have assets. So those assets that are on those teams now will likely end up playing with Zion and New Orleans. Now they have a team that, in theory, could be in the playoffs next year if things yeah. work out and if Zion's as great as people think he is. So if you're Zion, 
I'd much rather be in that situation than being stuck in Phoenix without a point guard and a crazy owner or being stuck in Cleveland with no help on the roster or being stuck, you know, in Washington with a point guard with a crazy contract and a bad Achilles and a star in Bradley Bill, you might end up trading. Yeah. I mean, like, this is not the worst-case scenario. It, maybe no, it is from this, a, this was a team that was just in the playoffs a year it before. It was just in the playoffs. And played well in the playoffs. They, they, got, they, they won around. We're competing for a playoff spot this year. Before injuries and Anthony Davis saying, I don't want to be here. Blowing up the team, yeah. So there's, there are a lot of reasons why this. he's actually very fortunate that he ended up, he's going to end up a Pelican. Yeah, and I, now I agree with almost everything. The only thing I would look at and maybe disagree with is I think, and I, I thought this when he was playing at Duke, the whole he's from a small town thing I think is being overblown because. Really? Because I told Henry's why today, I think that the big market thing is being Here's why I think it's overblown. Because when he was being recruited, all the word was Clemson's a heavy favorite. Yeah, Clemson, football-wise, big program. Basketball, I mean, it's an ACC program, but not on the main map for anybody. No, not at all. Clemson, South Carolina is a very small town. Uh, Seems like the perfect fit at the time. (laughs) If you're a small-town kid, that seems like a good fit. Where did he choose to go? The school nobody thought he was going to. The highest profile basketball program in America he went to Duke. And now Durham, North Carolina is not the biggest. But when you're playing at Duke, that's like playing for a professional team. Yeah. He didn't decide. All the signs pointed to him going to small town Clemson. And he chose Duke. So when it comes to his preference of small town, big, big market, I think he wants... Big challenge. I don't think that the town matters. I think he looks at it and says, what's the challenge? What's going to be most exciting, most fun, most gratifying from a basketball standpoint? And it wasn't New Orleans. That that ch- challenge is always going to be New York. And I know, you know, people outside New York or the, the media wants to keep bashing the Knicks saying that that's the case. But sorry, it's not. That challenge is always going to be playing for the New York Knicks, trying to make them a winner. So... That's why I think he was attracted to it, and that's why I think when he looks at the New Orleans situation, he's probably underwhelmed because he's like, I thought I was going to be it's on the huge, biggest of big stages, which is huge, what I want. He's a, a, we saw that he lives for those big stages. It's, it's a huge, I mean, it's definitely a huge 180. You know, like, just imagine you're in a, just imagine you're in a, even, a, any person is interviewing for, like, multiple jobs, and you have, like, one job that's, like, your dream job and your dream city, and you have everything lined up, and the other, jo- and you don't get picked for that job. You get picked for the job that like you kind of didn't really care about. You didn't even wasn't even on your radar. Yeah, it wasn't really even because it radar. was no, it wasn't on his radar. You know, like, and it's like, all right, I mean, I get know, to work in my same, yeah, I get to know. work in the field I want to work yeah, in. Yeah, the same field, same money, but quality of life is going to be not the, what I wanted. You know, yeah. it's not necessarily the same position that I wanted. You know, so yeah. it's one of those situations where yes, it's a letdown. But I think when he steps back and looks at the basketball situation, I mean, look, I, we all think Durant's going there. You know, there's a good shot Kyrie's going to go there. If they don't, and I don't even like being one of those people who say if they don't because I think they're going to be there, but if they were to miraculously, for whatever reason, don't end up Knicks, that's an awful basketball situation for Zion. It's just, there's no there's no way of, of saying it. it's not, unless those guys, unless they say, I mean, they could... They have cap space, so they can sign guys mm-hmm. and build around them. Like it's not like this team's gonna be as bad as they were this year, but I mean, this that was the worst roster in the league last year by far. Yes, it was. I mean, they intentionally made it like that. 
So I would rather be in New Orleans from that perspective. Um, but I, I agree. I, I understand that, look, Durant's probably going to go there. Um, the only other thing I'll say is I think the the big the big market thing is overrated because I, I feel like these I feel like people out there from a business perspective is not overrated. It's it's fact that like if you play in New York you, you stood to make more money off the court. Um but I think it's overrated in the sense that I don't know if that would have been good because we already see the microscope that's on this kid. Oh, it's, from a standpoint of being good or not, I, I'm not interested in. You you could be right about that. He he is on a microscope that we haven't seen since LeBron James, and this is even heightened because of the social media era and the 24-hour sports opinion television shows that are out there. And it's it, it, it would be dangerous to put him on either the Knicks or the Lakers from an NBA perspective because this kid, you talk about his personality, it's great now, but... Let him not be great in New York. Or let him even even if he plays let him even if he's playing with Kevin Durant, let him have a bad playoff game and get eaten alive by the New York fans, by New York media. I don't know. But he's not gonna have to deal with that in New Orleans. Look at look oh, yeah. at what Marco Fultz dealt with. Look at what D'Angelo yeah. Russell dealt with. Look at what Julia Okafor dealt with. And those guys are bad players. Look what Lonzo I mean, Ball is D'Angelo now. Russell's not really a bad player. But Lonzo Ball. Look at what even Ben Simmons is dealing with. Mm. You know, people dissecting. You can't shoot. What's wrong with you? You know, we Tra- got to trade, trade him. Trade him. Do rookie of the year <laughs> as an All Star in the second year. They're talking about we got to trade you. <laughs> you got to trade you. Imagine, like, on the flip side, look at what Donovan Mitchell's dealing with. Nobody's talking about trading him. That'd be crazy. He had a miserable playoffs. In fact, yeah, he had a miserable playoffs, <laughs> and he's. One of the most likable players in the NBA. Yeah. Plays for small town Utah. Has his own shoe in the second year. Wasn't the number one pick in the draft. I mean, would you rather be Donovan Mitchell or Ben Simmons right now? Most people would say Donovan Mitchell, even though Ben Simmons is playing in a big sports town in Philadelphia, top five media market in the world. I'm sure he would. I'm sure he wouldn't want to play in Utah. But Mitchell loves it in Utah. Apparently, um, look at Trey Young. Plays in mm. small town Atlanta. Well, it's, not, it's a big city, but not a big sports Yeah, town. small market, small sports town, Atlanta. People, the first two months of the season, he was he was he was terrible. He was trash. He was terrible. Yeah. If he was playing in New York, and he was like that, <laughs> I don't know if he ever thought of that. <laughs> that would have been really. He wrong. turned it around, and immediately he was a darling again. I mean, His team in, was in still New York trash. Trying to say Kevin Knox was a bum because he. He, yeah, he had like a couple yeah, bad a couple months. bad months, and he was a bum. He like Trey Young turned it around. Now he's a star. Yeah. Look at Doncic, off the radio, off the radar in the NBA. Dallas is a big city, but he's off the NBA radar. Again, another guy. His team was trash, but nobody cares. We're not, you know, picking at every every little thing. If Zion was on the Knicks and they were a twenty five win team. People would find criticism. Absolutely. People would be like, is he a winner? Yeah, you know. Yeah, because uh, yeah, that's just what they do. He's overrated. You know, so in that in that light, Zion can honestly do a lot of things. He could do he, very little that wrong could go wrong for him in New Orleans. If he's even the bench, if he's even like the worst case scenario, if he's like a 13-point scorer, people are going to be disappointed, but they'll find ways. I mean, Anthony Davis was like that, and nobody cared. The dress of the draft lottery, Memphis 2, New York 3, Los Angeles 4, 
Cleveland 5, Phoenix 6, Chicago 7, Atlanta 8, Washington 9, Atlanta 10, Minnesota 11, Charlotte 12, Miami 13, Boston 14. Kendall, Memphis at 2. Again, another team we didn't expect to be in this kind of position. They, but they they tanked very late. They honestly in the season, and here they are. Yeah, they were. They, Memphis was in a weird spot. Obviously, I follow the Memphis basketball scene because of uh, the Tigers. The Tigers. So, you know, you know, you listen to sports talk radio. You you know read you know you know you look Memphis at people's articles, twitters. Yeah, article. You know people's Twitter accounts and stuff. So you know how they feel about their situation. Also, I'll connect because the Celtics had their pick. So they were in a very awkward position where they were trying to win games yes. because they didn't want to they wanted to convey the pick this year as soon as possible and they kept tugging at yo should we tank should we should we just win to convey the pick and they were very they and they got to the point where they were like they kind of got stuck in the middle they were the worst possible spot yeah. they didn't tank hard enough because they wanted to win but they aren't a good team, so they couldn't win enough to yeah. where they could. Because they, they, they had, like, pick. a really good, like, first month or two. Right, exactly. Like, they were, like, one of the best teams in the West. So they were like, I guess we got to just keep yeah. winning. And then, like, the, they fell the, apart. the yeah. thing fell apart, and they were like, well. The guys got hurt because all got traded. Like, it was like, well, now we can't tank the way we need to. Right. And they tanked really late, but it ended up paying off because they got the number yeah, two. Yeah, and, you know, karma, you know, paid off. You know, they weren't one of the teams that were like, ah, we're just going to gut the entire roster. And Morant. Uh, is it going to be Morant, you think? Do you think there's no question? Uh, I mean, that seems to be the word. That's know? the word. That's been the early word. You know, it's been the word. I mean, it's a, it's a month. You know, injuries happen. You know, trades happen. So, I don't know. But uh, Morant, is a, I think, is a terrific fit in Memphis, just city-wise. I mean, he's going to be loved over there. And another guy, southern guy, small town, also from South Carolina. Like, I thought Morant would have been a great fit in New Orleans. I told Henry, I told Henry that going in. I was like, I kind of want to see Morant on the Pelicans. Uh, so the Grizzlies are kind Morant of a holiday situation. back would have been electric, yeah. but I think Morant and Jaron Jackson is going to be just as oh yeah, not more electric. I mean, the Grizzlies are going to be uh, they could they have a super team potential like three years from now if Morant is yeah because Jaron Jackson looks like the real deal. Jaron Jackson is going to be an all star, and we Morant both think Morant's like a star. So so that's that's a yeah. nice two building blocks there. So you think that I agree? I think that Morant. Will go to. I think that they look at Conley, who had a really good year this year. He stayed healthy. Um, he averaged like twenty-one points a game this year. So that contract is not good, but there's going to be a team that yeah. may Utah wanted him at the deadline. Yeah, there's going to be a team that that has to upgrade their roster. That's going to take a chance on him, and he's going to be movable. And even if he's not movable in the off season, you could probably move him sometime during the season as you get closer and closer to the end of that contract. He has two years left. On what was like a hundred and forty million dollar deal, I think when he signed it. Um, so I, I agree. I think it'll be Morant. Uh, they need a wing guy. So I mean, I don't think Barrett should be completely out of the question for them. But it seems like they're really sold on replacing Conley, and it, it makes sense because you can trade Conley and maybe you get a young wing in return, or uh, or or you get picks that could end up being a young wing in the future. But I think you're able to get the point guard now. You should do it if you're Memphis. So that leaves New York at three, and I know a lot. I, I, I gotta say something, um, Nick fans. I've said this before, and I'm gonna say it again. And and I, I shout out to the famous Nick fans that we have, you know, in our lexicon, in our uh, medium, you know, Stephen A., Michael Rappaport, Jerry Ferrara. 
they're all great. They 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 promote the brand Jesus and Mero. All these guys, I love them all. No shade to them whatsoever. But we gotta stop with the everything is doom and gloom shtick. Yeah, the Knicks can't do anything. It looks right. it looks pathetic. It does, and, and, and I'm sorry. And, I, and the last time I went on this rant, I mean, we didn't have a podcast, but I went on the rant on my own, was when we drafted Porzingis. And how stupid did Nick fans look with how they were acting as, as things played out? Like, okay, we didn't get the number one pick. It sucks, yeah, but, like, the whole, like, dragging it on about, oh, how are we going to recover? Especially when anyone who's smart knows that there's a good chance that they're going to get – Big name free agents this offseason. Yeah. So, I'm sorry. It, it, and a good it, chance they might get Anthony Davis out of it. Right. So, like, it's, it's like. It's way too early to be. It's like, just calm down. Look, when it happened, I was hurt. I, it was tough. But we got to move on. And, like, I think from a national standpoint, we look like a caricature of New York City when we act like this every time yeah. something doesn't go our way. And it's starting to get annoying. Yeah. And I don't want. I don't want. To people that look at the Knicks fans and think that that's fans. what we are. Because we <laughs> e- look crazy last night. E- we look crazy. E- e- EJ. Like, we look crazy today. Yeah. I, I, like, I remember, I mean, the Celtics, we've been through this thing a lot, EJ. Yeah. I mean, you know. Because, you know, Danny keeps getting all these yeah, picks. Yeah, Danny keeps getting all these picks. Like, somehow we're in the playoffs. But we, <laughs> we get a lot of these picks over here. That's great. <laughs> but, um... You know, definitely not how it's supposed to go. <laughs> thanks, thanks, Brooklyn. <laughs> thanks, <laughs> Brooklyn and Philadelphia. Philadelphia. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, first time I went through it, we were actually bad. You know, we were in the Durant lottery. We were number two. Worst case scenario, we ended up number five. We ended up number five. I was crying. And <laughs> we ended up winning the championship the next year. So I learned since then to not really overreact to anything. So the first year, it was 2014. You know, that was the Wiggins, Parker, and B draft. So that was another top three draft. Yeah. I forgot where we were. We were like, you know, five or six or whatever. But, you know, it was the Lakers and the Celtics, this was our first year really being, like, bad. So I was like, oh, this is a, this is a huge one. We ended up at six. You know, we get Smart. Smart's a nice player, not a superstar. But, I mean, really, Embiid's the only star in that draft. Yeah, you didn't you didn't lose much not getting Wiggins or Parker. Yeah, we would have screwed anyway. Um 2015 again in that no not 2015 2016 in that same in, in that same situation we were higher this year I think we were top three with the Lakers and Sixers and this was the Ben Simmons draft for me some people liked Ingram some people thought the two player draft I think it was a one player draft I didn't like Ingram that much I really wanted Simmons we ended up at three I was I would I mean you gotta think I was a little ticked off I was like damn. This this stinks, man. But you know, I was high on Jalen Brown. I didn't think we were getting him. I thought we were getting Chris Dunn or Dragon Bender. We end up luckily Danny Ainge drafts Jalen Brown, and things end up pretty well. Honestly, Brown isn't that far off of Simmons, at least especially in the playoff you know atmosphere. And 2017, we actually win it, and we end up trading the pick. And I mean, it ended up working out. I thought I thought we were crazy at the time. I, was like, I yo, thought you guys were crazy. Everyone thought we too. were crazy. I was like, yo, we're trading Marco Fultz. I remember running around like, yo, we got Marco Fultz. Like, that was crazy. And we traded him. And, I mean, that obviously has worked out tremendously. So, I, I mean, this thing's a crapshoot. Yeah. I mean, and, and Zion, I mean, to be fair to him, he looks like more of a sure thing than any of the other guys we've talked about, including Embiid. But it's a crapshoot. And... And, and at, even beyond Zion, Zion might be the best player in the draft, but Barrett might be Donovan might Mitchell. Also, be a star player. I, I mean, mean, 
uh, and look, I, 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 look, me and you have a video where I say on camera that I think RJ is more talented than Zion. <laughs> I, don't, I man, I was killing you during that video. Man. You were roasting me on that video. Um, I think I will, yeah, let's, let's, yeah, yeah, that's, that's a CC freezing cold takes I've ever had one. I will, I, to be fair, Zion was not. This was before he like oh, really yeah. took oh, off yeah, yeah, yeah. in February and <laughs> in, in, in March. Yeah, post post shooting, but I, what I will say is, RJ, it has a very high skill level. He he he's about six foot seven. He can score the ball. He's a very good passer. He's an aggressive scorer, and I just think that. Yeah, it, it, it's unfortunate we're not number one as a Knicks fan. But, I mean, you told me before the season that we had a chance to add a talent like R.J. Barrett. And you don't, you didn't tell me anything else. Like, before the college battle season, he's like, you know what? I'm not going to say, well, you guys are going to draft, be, but you guys are going to you guys have RJ a shot. R.J. Barrett's going to be a Knicks. You guys have a shot to have R.J. Barrett. I'd be like, I mean, this season went right. Like, the, <laughs> the season went right. Like, the, I could not have asked for anything more. R.J. Barrett was far from a bust. No, he had led the team in scoring yeah. at Duke, the same team Zion played on. Yeah, he was far from a bust. Now, like, he wasn't. I mean, look, were there disappointing aspects of RJ Barrett? If we're going to talk about RJ Barrett, were there disappointing aspects? Look, I jumped off the ship after the Gonzaga game. You know, I yeah, he sold, took off way too early. I sold my stock, and, you know, I mean, the Gonzaga game was tough. Like, I mean, I was like, Yo, this guy's a, he's a nut, he's a ball hog. I wasn't the only one. I mean, Twitter no, was you weren't roasting, the only one. Twitter was roasting him. But. After that, like, he really, you could tell, like, consciously, I think the, the heat got to him. Probably scouts probably talked to him, and or Coach K talked to scouts or whoever. And he realized, all right, yeah, I got to start being more of a playmaker. And he played much better after that. At least his floor game was better. You know, his jump shot struggled, especially late. I don't know what happened. But, yeah, you know, he wasn't. I think he shot marked, like 29%. Like, yeah, I think he, I think he ended up at 30 for the season. No, yeah, like the last, oh, like, oh, month or two. I thought he might for three. Yeah. yeah, the last, like, month or two from the season, I think he shot like 29 from three or something like that. But, uh, I mean, he ended up at 30, so it's not like it's that much worse. But, um, like, that, like, so that's the, that's really the concern at this point. It's, if, if, my two concerns for Barrett overall are the shooting, with shooting can get better. Sometimes it doesn't. Justice Winslow never got a jump shot, but nope. Mike Kigoka never got a jump shot. Nope. But Barrett has good mechanics. You know he's got a scorer's mentality, so I I would imagine and he's a skilled player overall. So I would imagine he can get a jump shot. And have we seen him get hot from three? It's just yeah. he's just very he's, inconsistent. yeah he's inconsistent, he's streaky. Um, and then my other thing is just can he conform to playing a role, the role that's going to be needed from him likely on the Knicks, it, which is know, a third or fourth score, third or fourth score. Probably playing next to Kyrie and he's going to probably do some distributing too. He's playing next to Kyrie, you know, he's going to have to defend at a high level because they're not going to need his offense as much. They're going to need guys that can defend because Kyrie's a liability. Um, so those are concerns for me. Uh, and then also just like I said in the video, how well does he translate to the NBA? Like compared to like similar to the other guy that have had a similar profile to him, that almost all of them have been busts. I think he, uh, yeah. I think he, I think he translates better because he's more skilled than the guys we just named. Yeah, yeah. Those guys, you, I mean, Good Kilgris, uh, the fellow Dookie yeah, Winslow. Winslow. Yeah, those, those guys, guys. I mean, those were like, yeah, that's like those the guys. I thought were really, yeah, 
they were they were their skill level to me was very low. I didn't like either guy coming out of the draft. But yeah, you did not. Um, um their skill but level what about someone like Andrew Wiggins? I think he's different than Wiggins because I think well Wig- Wiggins has an issue with like motor and yeah. want to yeah. more than I don't have level. I have zero issue with that with, with Barrett. Right. Barrett is highly competitive, plays hard and wants high it. basketball IQ. And he's a high basketball IQ guy. So, those are all questions I had with Wiggins that I ignored because I loved Wiggins coming out of the draft. I thought the talent was so immense. How could he possibably screw it up? Somehow he's I was, I was screwed it up. I was a Parker guy. Um, so, 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 but I don't have those concerns with him. So, I, I, have, I feel less worried. And I think that... What's your comp for Barrett then? Barrett's a weird player. I don't... I mean, I know people are going running to Harden. I mean Harden. That's a that's a wild best case scenario. Harden, you know, that's like a, Harden shot. Everything. Harden shot better, even in college. He shot better. And I think he had a better isolation game. Uh, like just a better like, like he had more shake to his. He game. He just had more shake. You know, I'd actually argue RJ Barrett might have actually been better going to the basket at this point in his career than. I mean, yeah, definitely Harden better was. in transition. Definitely more athletic. Yeah, definitely better in transition and you more know, athletic. Definitely, I would argue. I think he's better. Like almost like you said, like finishing at the rim. Yeah, he's kind of a hard guy to come. I, I can't. Nothing. No one comes on the top of my head. It's hard for me to really pinpoint a guy. I've heard DeRozan, but he's different than DeRozan. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I don't. I don't like the DeRozan one. He he's a unique. He's a unique player. You know, like he's not like a very like I can pinpoint a guy that he reminds me exactly like. Like it's there's not there's not too many, but he he's got a lot of game. Um, I, I think that his game will translate very well to the NBA. I think that he looks like the the quintessential player that oh yeah teams are loading up on him. It's so easy you can grab and hold guys going to the rim. Colleges they don't blow the whistle nearly as much as the NBA for ticky tack fouls. Like it's people don't understand. Like, they think oh bigger stronger NBA is harder defensively. It's not necessarily like for certain players. The NBA I'm not saying NBA is easier, but they're actually going to have more ability to actually get off offensively because of how the game is played. I think he's one of them. I think that the game is way more up tempo, and he's great in the open floor. Um, I think there are a lot, it's a lot easier to get to the hole in the NBA because the, the game's more spread out. Duke had no shooters, so teams were just loading up in the paint, and he's going up against the trees down there in the ACC, and he's getting contested shots. I think that he's going to be fine. I think that he's going to be a twenty-point kind of scorer. And the question will become, okay, is he just a 20-point scorer who doesn't really do much else, or is he a star? And that's a great question. I think that it can go either way, but I think if you're a Knicks, you got to feel happy with that kind of prospect. Um, but I thought this lottery was great, man. Do you think – now, but that's the thing, though. The last thing I want to talk about before we move on to the playoffs. Do we think that this lottery is actually good for the NBA? Do you want to talk about the Lakers real quick? Um, Sure. Lakers at four. I don't think there's any way – this player is going to play for the Lakers. Really? Yeah. I don't think there's any way this player plays for the Lakers. The only way this guy plays for the Lakers is if they're drafting a point guard and ball is gone. And right. even then, I feel like a team would prefer to have this pick than ball. So that makes me think that it would be more inclined to trade this pick. Man, Lakers, they're... I mean, this helps them. What, I mean, what does... What does... Da- DeAndre Hunter, Garland, Kobe White. What does that I mean, guy? I, I think Jared Rui, Culver. Can what does ball. that guy do for the Lakers? I, I, I what think, does that do for LeBron? I, I think Jared Culver can ball. I um, love Jared Culver. You know, you the know question I love with Culver. all these draft prospects, 
from, I think, basically from Morant down. Like, Zion comes in, and he's a top 50 player in the league. I don't think yes. that's that crazy. You know, he's going to come in, probably be at least 15 and 8. So, he's an impact player. Morant, point guards are tough. You know, it's no guarantee that every... Yeah, it's more of a coin flip. Recently, point like, point guards haven't hit the ground running. The last guy to do it was Dame Lillard. Yeah. To have no issues as, as a rookie point guard. And so, yeah. So I have my not issues with my questions. So the thing is, like someone like Jared Culver, who I like a lot, who I think I would consider if I was next at three. I like is it? Do we even know if he's better than Josh Hart? I don't. Know. I don't think he is. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you don't even think he is. And I and that's and that, it may sound a diss to him, but it's not. Like I don't. I, I don't know. I, I really like Josh Hart. Like, I I think yeah, I'm not that high on Josh Hart. Um, he didn't play good this year, but I, I, that team was a, a circus. Like I, I, I think. I only put it on him. I, I think Culver is better than Josh Hart, but I can't say that for a fact. So if I'm drafting that dude at four, I don't even know if he's better than this my. That's why I'm saying that guy will not play for the my Lakers. late first round or second round shooting guard. Then is it worth making this pick? I I tell you right now, I don't think Darius Garland and Kobe White are going to be better than Lonzo Ball. So, I don't think so either. Or like, like next year? Next year? No. Yeah, no, no. I way. don't know if they're going to be better than long term. I don't think they're better prospects. Uh, can they be? With, of course. I, mean, I agree with that too. It's possible. They have up, high upside, but I think it's unlikely. Um, so what? Who can you draft? I think Cam Reddish has the highest upside of any of these guys that would be available. But what does that do for LeBron? This guy's on a three-year window. You just signed a coach to a three-year deal. That means everything you're doing to me is in a three-year window. So my thing is, but I, who I, else wants this pick? Like, what can you even Washington get? Washington may want this pick. So if it, oh, Washington needs to add young talent. So Beal for, for, for four? Beal and Kuz for four. Beal and Ball for four. Or, sorry, the four and Ball for Beal. Or right. four and Kuz. I, for, I saw Bleach Report had a, had a proposal of Ingram and four for six and Beal. I'm not doing that. That would be idiotic. If you were yeah, that's, that's idiotic. Yeah, I it's agree. Like I move up two spots to get a player that's basically the same. In this terms draft of, is not good enough to move yeah. up two spots in that, in that area yeah. and think you're getting, like, a massively better player than you could have got at six. Right, exactly. So, um, like, this is a three to six? Then, yeah. Yeah, I, I yeah. if you're moving inside three, yeah, I could see you swapping picks. Right. But not not that that far in the draft. Um, but, yeah, I just don't know what four is getting. That I, I mean, I would, if I were the Lakers, well, to me, you're I packaging, look at three guys. You're packaging four with your guys on your team. Right. It's not going to be alone. I mean, look, I, I mean, it might be a Pelicans pick. Which the Pelicans, I think there's a good chance they end up, if the Knicks make a trade, I think there's a good chance they have Barrett and Zion, which would be box office. Uh, it would be appointment television every time they play. That would be awesome for New Orleans. Has that ever happened? Guys. Has the team ever had two top three picks from the same draft on the same team? Uh, I don't know. I don't think I don't think. I, mean, I thought you were going to say two top three guys from the same school, I mean, that's, which that's, is also crazy. That, that's, that's rare that that even happens, like. That, yeah, so how many times that? Yeah, I mean, well, it happened with you know, uh, Davis and and, yeah. and Kid Gilchrist. <laughs> and me and Henry were talking about that because Henry was, at, you know, he we were talking about the possibility of having those two guys, and he was like, "Yeah, you know, that's gonna be it's gonna be crazy, like you know, that's gonna keep Zion long term, or it's a good because he's worried. Henry's worried, like he's like, I don't care Zion's about gonna leave the Davis. First he's second. like, we gotta do whatever we got, we gotta can to keep Zion. I was like, that's crazy that we're at this point yeah. with small for a dude Martins. that's seven, eight years from now. I, think, uh, <laughs> I told like, Henry, I was like, I'm day not, one, you're like, how do we keep him? I was like, don't worry, don't even worry about that. Just put it. I was like, Barrett isn't gonna change anything. 
Because I'm like, <laughs> if Barrett is Michael Kidd Gilchrist and what you call is Anthony Davis, he that's not changing nothing. Yeah, that's not changing it. anything. So, but but when has that ever happened? I don't think that that's ever happened. That two guys were drafting the top three. The closest thing was when Kyrie and Tristan Thompson were one and four, and they were on the same team, and that was not a big deal because Tristan Thompson was not a blue chip prospect. Yeah, but um, but nah, I think I mean the Lakers. I would keep it draft Cam Reddish or Culver or Bobo, which Bobo I think is still being massively underrated. Um, I mean, you agree on that? You know, he's a risk. Obviously, he's an injury concern. He's a Project. I'll tell you though, someone's gonna take a flyer on him. Someone's I'm gonna take. Gonna I'm gonna take a risk and say someone's. someone's I think in the top eight, someone's gonna. Do I agree. I agree um, with that too. Someone might trade up to get him. Like Embiid, everybody was doom and gloom. He might go out of the top ten. He ended up going three. Um, quickly though, do you think this is this format having it play out this way? Of course, it's only one year, so we don't gotta see what happens next year. But this was, as Rachel Nichols said, this was chaos. I mean, you had teams flying all the way up to the top of the draft, coming out of nowhere. Was this good for the league? Because they, they wanted to, to 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 not reward tanking, and the teams that were perceived to be tanking, though I did think, shout out to, I want to say it was Jonathan Wasserman, who tweeted that we keep saying that tankers got uh, tankers got punished, but the Suns signed Trevor Reza trying to win. The Knicks didn't try to have KP tear his ACL. Like, you know, the Cavs, you know, Kevin Love, because they were trying to win, like, they ended up tanking because of how the season played out, but it wasn't like they came into it like no, maybe no, the no. Knicks did. No, but I give the no other si- two no, teams. The Suns, the Suns knew what they were doing. They they did not sign a point guard, so no sympathy for them. You can't go into a season without a point guard. That's and think, fair. We're gonna make the playoffs. We're but trying but to make they the did. They did spend money on Trevor Reza. Why did they do that? I mean, I, poorly run organization, but I, no sympathy. <laughs> you know the Cavs. Even them, I'm like, you, no, nobody thought that team was a playoff team. But it, well, there were some crazy people that were like, yo, yo, I think this Cavs team might might do some they damage. Did that. Uh, five games in, they were zero and five, and people really they, this is gonna be they a fired Lou, and people changed their tune. Uh, the Knicks, nobody thought the Knicks would be good. Everybody thought this was a tanking year. Porzingis had his eight they ACL last year. So you're you're not buying this deal. Nah, nah. So even regardless of that, so let's say they did. The tankers were not, uh, were obviously not. Um, rewarded. Do you think this is good for the league? Uh, it, it definitely will. I think teams will come into the season less planning to tank. Like I don't think we're gonna get teams saying, "Well, we're gonna bottom out this year." I think teams will. More teams will try and like be su- semi competitive. End season tanking is still gonna happen. Teams it's still gonna be a race to the bottom because not only the percentages are different, but the order is still. The order is still important. The Kings well. are still going to worry about. I just need. I got to be ahead of this. Team. The most amount of combinations. Not even necessarily the, the, the most amount of co- combinations, but like if I don't get in the top four, I want to be five. Like you much rather be the Cavs right now than the than the Hawks. Hawks were three and they dropped to eight. Well, they were. They were no. They were five. Yeah, oh, yeah, you're right. They were five. They dropped. They the or like the Bulls dropped from four to seven to seven, like. The, the Bulls, they thought their worst-case scenario... I mean, the worst-case scenario, obviously, was always going to be seven. But, like, they were thinking, like, all right, like, we may not get one. We may not even get in the top three. But, like, in previous years, the worst-case scenario, been, they would have been six. And that was, like, very, very, very unlikely. Yeah, because like, how far they were in the draft. Yeah, that would, that, the odds of that happening back in the day would have been, like, 10%. They would drop down to six. 
and they drop now, to seven. Now, now it's more likely. It's more likely you're going to drop. It's, for every one of these teams, it's very likely you're going to fall. That's why these people that are complaining that are Knicks fans just they look spoiled. That's why yeah, I agree. They like, look spoiled. They like we were one of the top three teams right. that were all tied and you were three. Like so like were, I feel like it's like well I mean it wasn't what, the most ideal. Nobody but has sympathy for Knicks fans. It could have been a lot worse. You know, they, they, they were not uh beholden to Zion. They were not promised Zion. Um they of course they hoped they got him. You know, I hoped that the Celtics would have gotten Ben Simmons. We didn't get him. It happened, you know. I think this is good for the league. I know there there will be those who say, "Well, not the really bad teams, like not how they should will get rid of the draft." How will they really? <laughs> well, that's that's a long conversation. We don't have time for today. Um, but there's some people say, "Oh, how will these bad teams really get good?" Like if you're historically bad, like it's it's like a gut punch to like somehow you know you fall three or four spots or three spots in the draft. I just think at the end of the day, um, this. This is better for the league because it it makes more fan bases engaged in the NBA. Because, like, the Memphis fans and the New Orleans fans, and the New Orleans fans will pay attention because they want to see what they're going to do with AD. But, like, those fan bases, in terms of the draft, like, in normal years, they would, like, they wouldn't really care about the lottery. They would know they'd have no chance of getting in the top three. And if they did, it would be, it would be a miracle. And they, would, they definitely wouldn't get number one. Lakers fans wouldn't even pay attention to that thing last night. Like, yeah. like it, as a Celtics fan, like, I came in thinking, "Yo, that, we might get in the top." Like, five. you like, watch this team. Like four. now, I know. Now, I'm hoping the Knicks. I ever have to see a lottery. If I got KD and stuff, and I'm hoping that this is the last time for a long time that they're in a lottery with their own pick. Maybe Dallas has a bad year and they're back in maybe in 2021. But now, if I'm a Knicks fan or I'm any other fan. If I'm anywhere in the top ten, I'm paying attention. I could be in moving up drastically because of how the odds have changed. And that, at the end of the day, is better for the league. The more franchises that are engaged in whether it be the playoffs, whether it be winning, or whether it even be the draft lottery, that is better. And I just feel like all these teams are bad. Like, I know we say, oh, what about the worst of the worst? I don't know. I just feel like I, I feel like they're, they're bad anyway. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't think – I think we overrate how much of a difference, like, the Bulls and the Knicks were this year. Like, they're both awful. Like, yeah, the the Bulls maybe have like a one really good player in Levine and a couple all of these teams need help. But they all need help. They're all nowhere near competing. Like the Grizzlies were the, were what, eight? Yeah, they they're awful they're team. And they they I mean people like I went to a, a tone that's not an NBA fan really. Like if I went to like I mean, mom probably doesn't even know the the Grizzlies roster, but let's say somebody is like a casual basketball fan. Yeah. Either, but like doesn't know like the exact standings like like dad knows probably more so because obviously the Knicks were involved but like or like even like Henry let's say I went to Henry it was like yo like you know this was the draft lottery or this was the order and let's say the Pelicans weren't really involved because obviously <laughs> we followed because of that like and I told him the Grizzlies got the number two pick or just any casual fan maybe not even Henry but like any casual fan like They'd be like, oh yeah, the Grizzlies, yeah, they they got the number two pick, they they stunk. You know, the Pelicans got the number two, the number one pick, uh, yeah, they stunk. Like you wouldn't even realize, oh, those teams were at seven. Those teams right. weren't even the the five worst teams in the league. If you're not in the playoffs, nobody's paying attention to you. You know, like everyone besides like people legitimately came into this thing thinking the Lakers had a shot because yeah. that's how bad they were, and they were at eleven. Yeah, they were ten worst teams, better. They were ten teams worse than the Lakers, and. That shows you how the NBA is still kind of the parodies is off, you know, like <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, the fact that the Lakers aren't even a bottom 10 team in the league and people are talking about how terrible their talent pool is, it's like, I mean, and then the teams below that, you know, you got Dallas, Washington, all, I knew all those teams needed Zion. All those teams needed Right, Morant. they're all bad. Like, I, I like. I just, I just don't, I just don't, I don't think that we should just be rewarding terrible management. Like, it, like you know, like, I just think it, if you manage your team so poorly where your only option to get better is to, to purposely lose, or if you don't even try to lose and you're actually just that bad, I don't think it's necessarily in the best interest to just say, okay, that team gets more credence to get better picks than other teams. Because look at the Kings. The Kings have been awful for all this time. We kept gifting them with high picks, and they just threw it away. The one guy that worked was Boogie, and and he got out of there. And Thomas Robinson was a bust, and Ben McLemore was a bust, and all these guys they drafted that didn't work out. Stauskas, Jimmer. Stauskas, Jimmer. Papianis. <laughs> Papianis. Like, that team didn't deserve the number one pick. Like, why would I give them the number one pick? Because they can't, they don't know how to run their organization. So, no, I, I thought that this was great. And and now, again, every franchise in the entire league is now going to be more invested. In, or every fan base will be more invested in the lottery because now they all feel like they got a shot. And that's and more teams invested in the NBA, the better. So that, that in the end, that is good. Uh, quickly, Ken, let's talk about the playoffs. So we both home teams, uh, 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 they, they they protected home court in game one. Warriors won fairly handedly. Yeah. Uh, Bucks won just a couple hours ago or hour ago, um, defeating the Raptors in in a tight game that they had to really grind out. I thought, and the they Raptors won it were really. winning most of the game. Yeah, the Bucks had to win it on their defense in the, in the fourth quarter. Kawhi, and they, had, they had some shot making. Yeah, Kawhi was out of that game. Like they, Nurse went to give Kawhi a blow with like ten minutes to go. And they had a lead, and it, it evaporated quickly. Well, that's the thing with the Raptors is that this team, they're, the the playoff, the depth they have in the regular season just doesn't translate in these playoff series. And it happens every year. It's happening now, but the guy they have, the star is so much better now that they can overcome it. Yeah, yeah. And it's kind of ha- – and to be honest, what, what we keep saying, oh, it's the Raptors syndrome, but it kind of happens to every team. Right. Like every team, their rotation – Usually gets shorter. Guys that played well don't play as well in the playoffs because the pressure, the defense, the preparation that goes into it, things just change. And I think it may have been heightened for the Raptors because their stars came up so short. So not only do you have your role players not playing well, then your stars aren't coming coming short as well. Now it's like, well, now they got no chance. So with this team watching them, you can't – Nurse can't – he can't survive – those short stints with Kawhi off the bench with this team. Kawhi's going to have to play a lot of minutes in this series if they're going to win. I picked them to win this series, so I think they still can. I was encouraged at how they played, but um, but I think they ran out of gas a little bit in the fourth quarter. I think the uh, the Bucks' um, fresher legs got to them, and I think that, again, I thought that they won, the, 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 won that game on the defensive side of the ball late in the fourth quarter. Do you feel like either of these road teams have a shot to steal game two, or are they, are they both going back 2-0, down 2-0? I mean, Toronto definitely has a shot. They should have won this game. Um, Portland, man, Portland, I don't know. Portland, this might be a Warriors in four, man. I hate to see it. They might steal one in Portland off of just pride I was, and effort. I was a little dis- 
not little. I was very discouraged at how un um just un, 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 un no not un well a little bit. I mean, Mark Jackson was killing Stotts and Collins for how they were covering Curry and pick and roll. That was the plan. And and that was Did you see Stotts' reaction after the game. No the reporter asked you know like you know why what, is Collins what, playing what, so what far? Was that the game plan or whatever? He was like, yeah, like. He was like, do you, do you not think that, it, you know, the reporter was like, do you think that it would have been effective to trap Curry? Uh, and he was like, did you see how that worked in the last series? And I was like, yeah. He was like, so no. <laughs> or something like that. I thought it worked pretty well so, until last game. <laughs> he was like, he was like, this is something, he was Terry? Like, he was like, did you see him go, you know, 33 points in the second half? Yeah, so, I don't know. Yeah, Stotts, the the players on the, on the you know, Cantor and McCollum were both kind of like, it, it didn't work. Yeah, I mean, like, like, and I'm not saying, and maybe that reporter maybe shouldn't have used trap because trapping them is a, is an issue in this lineup, and uh, we didn't get to really talk much about that last series, but they won that game on uh, that game six where Curry went crazy on just Draymond and Curry side pick and roll. They just destroyed them on that play, and it's a play that. When they were won seventy two games, and when they won that championship the first year, that's that was their bread and butter, and that was how they kill teams. Because if you don't trap Curry, he's gonna do what he did last night, and if you do, then he still may kill you because he's such a good ball handler, he can still get his shot off, or he's gonna give it up to Draymond, who when he's in his bag the way he's been in the recently, the way he can pass, the way he can finish at the rim, and he's just a terror. He's playing, he's playing three on four, and he's an excellent passer, ball handler finisher so he's gonna kill you every single time and they have good enough players around him to make plays so it's it puts teams in a bind but that plan did not work you can't have your they're trying to get the 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 the, the ball the guy guarding the, the the ball handle on the screen and roll to go over the top and just pressure curry and deter him from taking threes thinking that he has heat behind him but he just doesn't care. He's too good a shooter. Like you, you just, like Collins or whoever's the big man just can't be that far off of him. They let him get going early, and then it was over. They can't do that again. Um, yeah, I was discouraged by how uncompetitive Portland was. If uncompetitive isn't a word, I don't know what other word I would use. But I, they, it just that game. I just never thought they had a chance to win, and I'm starting to get worried about Dame Lillard. Because Wait, uncompetitive is the word. Okay, so yeah, I, I thought about that. I, I thought like it was, but I don't know. It just sounded weird when I said it. Um, nobody says it though. I, I feel like you used it in the wrong context, but <laughs> but like to me, like Lillard, is he living a little bit off of that shot still? Because <laughs> he didn't play great in the last series either. I thought Jamal Murray played him to a standstill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the people that watched that series closely. Understand that Lillard didn't play good. No, he didn't. He had a couple yeah, of good games on the road. He was almost bad in all those games. He was he's living off the shot and he's living off of Kyrie being such a he is disgrace in that. And that I say this Milwaukee and I series. love Damian Lillard. If those two things it don't pains happen, me to say this, we'd be killing him right now. He was awful in that last game. He gave them no chance to win, and it was unfortunate because I thought the role players came to play. Cantor had like sixteen rebounds. Collins was playing hard. Uh, Roddy Hood is playing the best ball of his career. And they couldn't, and their stars, McCollum and Lillard, didn't show up. They have no chance they play like that. I don't know if they're going to continue to play that poorly. I can't imagine that they will. Um, 
I thought this was a series that would be competitive, but that first game I, was I kept saying that first game was very disturbing. You know, my stance on the series was should have been Denver. <laughs> yeah, thought Denver had a better shot. They were the only team that you know you can't fight fire with fire. That's what Portland's gonna have to do. It's a foolish strategy. You got to fight fire with ice, and Denver would have been ice, more size. Uh, but it is what it is. Um, I don't think the series. I mean, I don't. Think, I think it's over in the sense that I don't think. I think, I think it was over before it started. But I don't think like it's an automatic sweep. Like I don't think Portland has no shot in Game Two. I don't think they have. Certainly, I think they have a shot in Portland, yeah. but my guess is uh, worried in front. I think the only, I think the only thing you can take away from that game from the Blazers positively is if our stars, we were not, we didn't get blown out. No, nah, they, they were, were they they were in it. They were they weren't that close, but they were in the eight to twelve range for pretty much the entire second half. If their stars play better. That's a nip and tuck game. They don't even got to play great. They just play decent. That's a nip and tuck game. So if you're the the Blazers, you got to look at that and say. All right, if I get my normal twenty from McCollum and twenty five from Lillard, we may have won that game. So I gotta think they're gonna give me something like that, and they're capable of doing more than that. You gotta think one of these games, both of these guys are gonna go for either thirty or forty. They've done it in every series they played, and they've done it against this team right. in the past, in the regular season, and in the playoffs. So that's gotta be your saving grace. But hey, these dudes, they just didn't. I don't know. They just didn't look. Prepared, like not prepared from like a X and O, but they just didn't look prepared for the moment. I, I no, yeah, I agree. I remember last year. I agree. You know, Celtics versus the Cavs. I just remember those guys. Boston, it was in Boston, so easier. But like, they looked like they were ready. Yeah, I agree. You know, they were not ready for Game Seven, but Game One, they were ready. Like, like we're gonna slay LeBron. Like they came in with this mindset of we are not losing to this guy. Um, once things got on the road and things changed, but. Um, this team did not come in with that same much. No, it, it looked like it was like, whoa, we're on the we're in the conference. How do we get here? Yeah, <laughs> you know. So uh, it, it's, but the Celtics had been there before. Even though we had younger players, like the the franchise, the, some of the guys on the roster were there the previous year. Against and the we have franchise team. has been there. There's an expectation to rise up to the occasion, even if you weren't there it, in that moment. Like Stotts wasn't there last year. Uh, like, he wasn't in the conference finals. Like, Lillard wasn't in the conference finals. McCollum wasn't in the conference finals. Like, even if Jalen Brown, who was on the roster but wasn't getting that many minutes, he was in the conference finals. Brad Stevens has been there. Danny Ainge has been there. Like, Rozier has been there. Smart's been there. So, like, those guys weren't scared. Um, It should be an interesting series, uh, both sides. Yeah. Uh, you, you got so you we both got the Warriors in the Western Conference finals. Who do you have in these? Uh, uh, I got the Raptors still. You still have the Raptors too. Yeah, yeah. Game one, I mean, I, I, that was that was game two is much more important now. But even then, I I I'm I'm not panicking. One very encouraging sign for the Raptors was Kyle Lowry being ready for the moment. That was I think shocking. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy because he's he's an All Star player, but like just the way he's played in game ones throughout his career, the way he's played in playoffs throughout his career, to see him be that clutch tonight. I mean, you gotta think. Okay, if I can get some of that, even if he's seventy-five percent of that in games two and the rest of the series, the Raptors are gonna have a shot. They're gonna have a real shot. So All right. that's gonna be uh, something to follow. Uh, real quickly before we get out of here, Kendall, I I'll be remiss not to mention the Jets. Uh, we the team does not have a general manager. They they fired Mike McCagnan 
this is after McCagney. And the let, director of player personnel. Yes, and director of player personnel, uh, Hyman Digger. This is after uh, McCagney. Let's take note. Let's go through the timeline. Hired a new head coach. Well, fired the old head coach. All right. Hired a new head coach. Um, GM things, yeah. <laughs> went through the whole draft. Went through the draft process. Picked up, uh, or oh, went through free agency. Went first. through free agency. Signed Le'Veon, signed Bell, Le'Veon Bell. Signed C.J. Mosley. Spent all our cap room. Went through the draft. Picked, selected second, selected the third player in the NFL draft. It wasn't like we were like 28. Or like, all right, it's, not, it's a lower pick. They were the third pick in the draft. He led pick. that process as a potentially franchise-altering pick. And he was the guy leading the charge into that. And we are going into mini camp. Two, three weeks later, fired. Not you decide he's not the guy for us. The 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 most incompetent thing. There are two things that you can do in sports, as an owner, or the front office. That are the two most incompetent things you can do. Are one, fire a coach, five to ten games into a season, like in the NBA or like you know two five percent into the season. Yeah. Um, because then that means like I mean why do you I mean. Why did you go into it if you felt like you could fire him after two games? Um, and the other thing is fire a GM after the offseason, but before the start of the regular season. It's ridiculous. It, it, those two things just don't make any sense. And it's not like they made, like, firing McCagnin is not dumb. It's not stupid. Because no. any, any, anybody in New York, anybody that's connected to New York knows that he was not great at his job. No, no he, they have a twenty-four and forty record right. with him as general manager. They so, haven't won more than five games since his first year. Firing him is not necessarily the problem. The timing of it is just a sign of pure incompetence. Exactly. The fact that you allowed him to hire Mike Adam Gase. Look, maybe that was ownership. All right, fine. But you mean to tell me that Mike McCagnin didn't have an integral part in them signing Le'Veon Bell, them like you said signing C.J. Mosley, and drafting Quinnen Williams and the rest of the the, the draft class? If he didn't, then geez, how did nobody see this coming? But apparently, I mean, there were rumors that there was a rift, but nobody saw this coming no. at this point. So that leads me to believe that, yes, the GM actually did play a role in all those moves. Shocking. So, <laughs> the general manager drafting players and signing players <laughs> yeah. is a novel thought. You know, there's this idea that you know, Adam Gates was running the whole thing, or he had a huge, I'm sure he had an input. I'm sure he had a lot of power. The owner probably empowered him, but nah, I mean. And then the fact that Adam Gates is a GM, I mean, I didn't is, want him as a head coach, and now he's the general the thing, manager. Like Adam Gates, like if this was Mike McCarthy, I'd be a look. He's got Super Bowl, all right, whatever. <laughs> like he's not great, but he's won. But this guy hasn't done. He's done squat to earn any of this power, cause he's some glorified QB guru. What? Who has Adam Gates coached? I'm, I, I I mean, he Kendall, coached Peyton Manning for. Like, I, I, well, years. thank you for getting to that. I am. Sick and tired of Peyton Manning. I can coach Peyton Manning, man. Peyton Manning, I can coach Peyton, Peyton Manning is terrorizing New York franchises in a way that I've never seen before. If Peyton Manning rigged the NBA draft lottery for it to not to go over the next way, it wouldn't surprise me. All right. Because Peyton Manning is telling the giant organization, you got to get with this guy, Daniel Jones. Despite anyone who watched film being like, Haskins is a much better player. This guy, I don't know if he's a first-rounder. And now, Gase and the the campaign behind him being the head coach was led by Peyton Manning. 
And, okay, fine, they hired him as a head coach. Now this guy, his crazy eyes, are running the organization. <laughs> crazy. This I'm is I'm waiting this for, is uh, the president to tweet this out. This uh, is crazy eyes outrageous. Out of and now this <laughs> now I know I I I lambasted Nick fans for acting over the top in their disappointment. Jeff fans, oh no, this is this is the circus. We should be. This is same again, old Jeff. This about, is clown behavior. It's not about McCagnan being the guy. Not at all. It's nothing to do with McCagnan's ability. The incompetence of the ownership and the lack of confidence that. I think Jets fans should have an Adam Gase. Kendall. There's no way you can tell me you're confident in what Adam Gase is. The guy, watch a press conference with Adam Gase and tell me you're confident in that guy. Kendall. Doing anything. Chris Johnson, the CEO of the Jets, chairman of the Jets. Uh, I think you're talking about uh, CJ2K. No, no, no. Chris, well, well that's because he's Christopher Johnson. Um, that's what he goes by. I just called him Chris. Maybe I was being too familiar. But Christopher Johnson... He said that he made this decision based on looking at looking out for the long-term future of the franchise. Mm. How do you do that and allow this guy to draft any players? Mm. How do you do that and allow this guy to spend like $100 million in free cap space? And you're talking about the future of your franchise? That's, that's mind-boggling that you watch this guy who you think was not in the best interest for the future of your franchise make integral decisions that are directly linked to the future of your franchise. You know the last two times I've seen this happen, EJ? When um, was the last two times this happened, Kendall? You know, I, like, it's probably happened more times, you know, in other sports maybe. You know, it might happen in the NHL. might happen in the NFL, and I missed it, maybe Major League Baseball. But uh, last two times I've seen this, uh, the Phoenix Suns this year with Ryan McDonough <laughs> firing, yeah. like, right before the season, and the New York Knicks. You know, firing Phil Jackson. Uh, right yes. Draft. Two two model franchises to to to, so, to go after New York. Two yes. fo- model ownerships. Yes. You know, Robert um, Sarver and James Dolan, the last two guys well, that I've seen do this on a major scale. <laughs> the Suns still don't have a GM. Uh, they got they got LeBron's buddy James Jones running the organization on an interim basis. It's been over a year, uh, or almost a year. And the Knicks, obviously, we don't have to get into the Phil Jackson thing, but we know how that's worked out. Um... It's just again, it's just never a good idea. Cause clearly, Knicks got stuck with Frank Nilakina. Luckily, Quentin Williams. I mean, by all counts, is a beast. You know, it's not like he went and drafted Daniel Jones, for example. Like if the Giants fired Dave Gettleman right now, that would be pure incompetence. That would be the the definition of insanity <laughs> if they fired Dave Gettleman at this point. But um, so at least they have Quentin Williams. At least you know they got. Uh, Le'Veon Bell, they've got Sam Darnold, like, they've got players in tow that, like, people are fine with. Um, and it's just sad, because Jet fans, for the first time in a long time, I really think were truly excited about this season. I mean, there were some excited last year because of Darnold, but I think this year, you're like, wow. I don't know, I don't think we think that we're going to the playoffs necessarily, but like, okay. we got pieces the, now. The talent pool has improved. Um, the, we got new uniforms. There's a new excitement around the team. And then Chris pulls this, and it's not gonna. You you would think it's not gonna what? affect the on field, well, performance. They're saying Gates now. They're putting out that Gates wanted nothing to do with Le'Veon Bell. That Adam Gates was very adamant against signing Le'Veon Bell. To the point where Le'Veon Bell's got to go on Twitter and be like, "Hey, I know there's rumors about me. There's been rumors about me my entire life. 
I just want to win. I don't care about people not liking me. Like, it's not good. This guy you just gave $64 million to, and the coach didn't want him, and now the coach is running the team. The coach who has... This is clown show. Look, we talked about... We talked about it before when the whole NFL coaching character was going on. That was a weak class. It's Naturally, I think the NFL is always going to be weak now in terms of coaching candidates because I don't think people... I don't think NFL jobs are attractive anymore. But... Um, it was a weak class, but man, Adam Gase is running your franchise right now. I mean, they're talking about bringing Daniel Jeremiah in from NFL Network to be a top executive. Apparently, Gase really likes this guy Douglas from the Eagles. Yeah, and, and Jeremiah and Douglas are like best friends. Um, or like they work together. So that would make sense. But who cares who Adam Gase likes? Who cares? Uh, yeah. Who cares? He's accomplished nothing. Who cares? Like. There are so many coaches out there in sports that, like, I mean, look at the Lakers. The Lakers told NBA championship coach Tyron Lue, this is who your assistant's going to be. <laughs> this is your this is your contract. They they just told Frank Vogel, who's been to the conference finals and accomplished a lot, been coaching. Benedict Arnold's going to be your assistant coach. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and he was like, all right, I guess so. I mean, I guess that's how it is. What, who, they didn't say, oh, hey, we don't got a GM. It was Frank Vogel, you want to be president of basketball operations? <laughs> that would have been crazy. The last time the team did that, it was Tom Thibodeau. And how that worked. And he was way more accomplished than Adam Gase. So this just, oh, my gosh. Like, I mean. I mean, just all of the optimism I had for the Justice Adam season. Adam Gase, like, that dude. Jet fans, we're all suffering. I feel you. This was a bad day. But good news is. Still plenty of ways away from week one. And Gase, what, the only reason he is here is to develop Sam Darnold. It's the one thing I think he can actually do. So let's just hope he can do that. And he doesn't, he's already trying to, I mean, I don't think he's burning the house down, but he's already getting rid of guys. Derek Lee was traded like two seconds after, <laughs> after McCagney was fired. So I'm thinking, oh, he's interim GM. All right, he's probably just kind of like, be like a shadow job. He's yeah. not really going to be yeah, that. No, he's getting training, rid of yeah. guys immediately. So, clearly it was a, a big issue on who, how the, fr- the roster was shaping up and who thought, who got, what guys should stay and who that guys should go. Period. He's like, oh, well, I got to do everything I can before, you know, before the next yeah, he's doing moves. I mean, yeah, I'm thinking he's just holding the fort down until his homeboy comes in. He's getting rid of guys now. So, Man, I do my work now before the new regime comes in. Jeff fans. I feel you. Todd McShay, man. He probably heard the Daniel Jeremiah to the Jets thing and was like, Where's yo, my agent is yo, not doing a good job. Like, how is Mayock? Mayock's running the freaking Raiders. Daniel <laughs> Jeremiah, and I can't get one job? So I work for ESPN. Mel Kuyper, he's probably, I mean, I hope Mel Kuyper runs that. Do you think team. Mel Kuyper wants to run a team? I don't no, think he'd want to run a team. Yeah, no. I think he's got a better job now. Yeah, maybe, maybe that's what these guys are looking at. Like, yeah. I mean, those guys don't. Those guys can be wrong all the time, and it won't matter. Yeah, they're still getting. The you get wrong in the NFL, you'll get you'll get fired. Mike McCagnan learned today. Yes. Um, this was a fun show. I really enjoyed this one, man. Um, I hope you guys really enjoyed it. Listening at home, at work, wherever you're at, in the car. Uh, shortened version, but it was a good version of the New Generation Sports Talk podcast. Of course, you can catch all of our shows on New Generation Podcast Network on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Make sure you go to our YouTube channel, New Generation Media. 
we've been slower on the videos recently but i promise there'll be some new content getting up there very shortly so keep your eyes and ears open for that uh follow us on social media on facebook new generation media on twitter at new generation pod and on instagram at new generation podcast follow me on twitter at ej underscore stewart and on instagram at action ej once again that does it for now but check us out next week for another edition of new generation sports talk for kendall i'm ej peace